All right, we're in Lesson 14. We're going to finish up. We're looking at Paul's conclusion here. Basically, from verses 11 through 18, you're really just going to, you're really having the ending of a letter here. And there's some, he's going to give a summary of their situation. And, you know, he's going to kind of tell them a few things. And there's really some things here that you and I need to be aware of because we're kind of wrapping up a conclusion to everything we've talked about so far. And let me just kind of give you just a brief overview of where we're at, and Paul's going to sum it up for us. And the reality is, is that in your Christian walk, you are going to have people, whether intentionally or not intentionally, because you can have sincere people who will intentionally lead you wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to have people who are going to add to the gospel, who are going to tell you that in order for you to be a good Christian and to be accepted by God, you've got to do the following things. Now, let me just stop and qualify that. That doesn't mean you can go and do anything you want to do. But what it means is, is that your salvation is hinged only on Jesus, not whether or not you did all these other things. And that's the issue that was going on in Galatians. So let's look at a couple things here. First of all, we're going to look first of all to his signature. So look with me at verse 11. Paul writes, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, I'm going to give you three points here to help you understand what's going on here. Why does he write this? See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Here's what he's saying. At this point in the letter... Paul writes them with his own hand. So at this point in the letter, this is what he's saying. I'm writing you. This point, you know, I, this letter is for me, but here I'm writing you with my own hand. Now you're saying, why would he write that? Because Paul commonly used others to write down what he dictated. Now, let me explain something to you. Do you remember... When Paul was on the Damascus Road and he had the vision of Jesus, what happened to Paul, folks? He was struck blind, and he was blinded for a few days after that, maybe a week or more. And remember, Ananias from Damascus went over and prayed over him, and it said the scripture records that the scales fell off his eyes, and so he was able to see again. Throughout the epistles, it's very obvious that Paul has a eyesight problem. See, here's the thing. When you have an experience with God, you're never going to be the same again. You think back to Jacob and Penuel. When God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, um, the angel or the pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord or pre-incarnate Christ, touched him in the hollow of his leg and he walked from then on with a what? Limp. When you have an encounter with God, you're, you're not going to be the same. And for Paul, he was never the same as far as his what? His eyesight. So when he wrote his letters, he had somebody else write them for him. And he had able, capable people there with him to write his letters. And so he dictated what was going on. So at this point, Paul's saying, I'm writing myself. And so he's writing with large letters. Now, why do you think he's writing with large letters? So he can see what he's writing. Okay? So you can see what he's writing. Uh, I mean, they didn't have 
bifocals back then, which is something I need to get for myself. I noticed the other day when I was reading from the platform, like how far out can my arm extend to read that? Read, and I got a giant print Bible. It's like, holy cow. You know, I can read it fine right now, but for some reason sometimes I can't. Um, so he wrote with large letters to validate the entire letter. So he's writing with these large letters basically to validate what he's writing here. He wrote with these large letters so that they would know it's him, it's Paul. So then look with me at verse 12 through 17. He's going to kind of wrap up the entire letter in just a few verses here to help them to understand what's going on. Look at what he says verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire that you to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus of our, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I have to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. But as many walk according to this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. But from now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the, of the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's, let's look at what he's saying here. First of all, he's going to talk about these Judaizers. And so he's going to talk about their sincerity. Paul points out that there are many who desire to be spiritual through works. There are many who desire to be spiritual through works. Now, let's stop for a moment. Is that true today? Even today, 2,000 years later, there are people who want to show that they're spiritual by their what? Works. Now, again, let me ask you something. What makes you spiritual? Is it your works? No, it's Jesus who makes you spiritual. So, here's what he's saying. There are people there who want to show that they're spiritual by what they do. And every church is filled with them. And I have, I've, I've noticed something. Maybe you've noticed it with me. Those folks who want to be spiritual by what they do tend to be the most critical of others. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that those who want to show how spiritual they are by what they do, and they may say things like this, you know, well, I, you know, in my morning devotional time, and, you know, I'm reading this book, or I've read all these books, or I give, they also tend to be the ones who are most critical of others who don't. Have you noticed that? Am I the only one who notices that? I think we all are aware of that, right? So, okay, wait, let's, talk, let's talk about that for a moment. They want to show how spiritual they are. Why do you think they're critical of others? Because they don't do those things. What's the issue there? Okay, trying to build themselves up. Okay, hear what Bruce said? They're trying to build themselves up. Why else, guys? Okay, make themselves better than person. All right, why else? 
Why do you think they tend to be critical of others? Okay, ultimately they know they're lacking. They know they're trying to gain acceptance with God, but they're not making it. But So they've got to make themselves feel better. So therefore, I'm going to focus on the fact that you don't do it rather than the fact that I can't keep it. Because can everybody keep the law? Well, we've already been talking about this for a few weeks here. Nobody can be perfect in keeping the law. There, there is one state that you can be perfect in keeping the law. It's called a coma. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're in a coma, you don't need to worry about whether or not you're keeping the law. You don't agree with that? I mean, if you're zonked out, you can't think coma. Okay, Tom's saying brain dead versus a coma. Because Bruce... Uh, okay, because you're... Okay. I'm not talking about being paralyzed. I'm talking about being out. Okay? But, okay. All right. Wow, we're talking drawing the line here pretty fine. Okay. Here, here's what they... They insincerely want to make a good impression. This is why they're critical of other people, especially. Because they want to make a good impression on who? Ultimately, it's on who, not God. They want to make a good impression on others. They want others to see how spiritual they are. Because it, And think about it. I mean, if you think about people in your life, some of you have been stomping this earth a long time. And if you've been in church for any period of time, you, over the years, have met people who just come across as having it together spiritually, haven't you? And then, all of a sudden, something is revealed that they didn't let others know about. But it was all so that they could make a good impression on people in church about how good and spiritual they are. When in reality, they're not. They're not good. So... He's going to question their sincerity. He's going to say, you know what, they're just trying to, they're insincere. They're trying to make a good impression. Now, here's their compulsion. They want to force others to live under the law. Their compulsion is that they want to force everybody else to live under the law. That's their compulsion. I mean, freedom is not in their vocabulary. Now, let me stop for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Is freedom a biblical concept? Is freedom a biblical concept? Freedom from sin is, but let's talk about freedom in general. Okay, Bruce says no, but I think you actually mean yes, Bruce. Now, let me help you guide you for a moment. Okay. Bruce is like, what do you mean? Because I just gave you a general term. Are you thinking for me, George? No. I'm going to help you think. Okay. I'm thinking, he's thinking, man, he's whacked out. <laughs> now, here's what I'm saying. If you think about what we've taught, you have freedom. Freedom from living your life in a way that you have to impress God. Now you understand what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is, is in Jesus, you don't have to do anything to impress Jesus. He's already impressed. And he's already impressed with you, not because of you, but because of what he did. Therefore, I am free to live my life without all the rules and regulations. So, for instance, uh, give me an example. 
there are rules, unwritten rules. We already talked about it, about why people don't want to come to church because they don't have to dress up. Where did they get that concept from people in church? They got that concept from people in church. And so, I used to live under that bondage. A lot of us lived under that bondage, didn't we? Where we had to dress up to come to church. And, and here's what I'm saying. People who are in wanting to impress people with their spirituality want to impose their rules on others. Because they're assuming, this is how I'm impressing you, you need to impress me and impress others. So, normally I can't read your mind, Bruce, okay? But I, uh, what I was saying, though, if I pointed out what I meant by freedom, you would agree with it. And you do. We have freedom in Jesus. Your acceptance with Christ isn't based upon all this other external stuff. Now, here's the thing. Today, people aren't saying, you've got to be circumcised. But what they are saying is, you've got to dress a certain way. You've got to carry a certain Bible. You've got to be at the church for this many functions. You've got to give a certain amount. And the issue isn't that. See, people want to enslave you in what? How you should live your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? People, Christian people, want to enslave you with what you should and shouldn't do. And, and that's, that's not right. In fact, that's what Paul's saying here. These people, in, in their day, they wanted to enslave them to being circumcised or not. No, I think it's called lies. Somewhere along the line, they believe a lie that they have to do something for acceptance. Is that what you're saying, or you want to make a point? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, I think what he does is he, Satan, here's the thing, Satan knows us. One thing he knows about human beings is, is our tendency to work for stuff. Because we're raised from yawn on up that if I'm going to get a reward from mommy or daddy, I've got to do what? If I'm going to be accepted by mommy and daddy, I've got to do what? I've got to do good. If I, if I don't do good, then I sit in my room, no TV, no video game, you know? And, and so, and then even in church, we do that. It's called crowd control, Okay? We don't intentionally communicate it with our kids, but we do. So you, you're raised from high. It's in our sports. In order to, to attain something in sports, you can't just be sloughing off, not doing anything. You're not going to play. You've got you've to achieve. So I think what Satan does is... I'll get you a second in a second. I think what Satan does is he manipulates what's already a mindset among human beings. Yes, it is scary, but we don't need to be scared. But what I think we need to do, Bruce, is be aware. You know, it's interesting. Lori and I had this conversation the other night. We were talking about just in our relationship and how the enemy attacks us in our relationship. And I said to Lori, do you realize how much hinges on my relationship with you? Do you realize how much hinges on my relationship with Lori? It's my kids. It'll, my relationship with Lori affects the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's true for anybody here. You know, for me, it's a greater extent because I'm an upfront guy. I'm the pastor. 
So the enemy is always going to be attacking. And so when we were talking, I was thinking about this, where the Apostle Paul says that he was aware of the ways of the enemy. Now, that's not a direct quote. I'll get you the quote later. But they are mindful of the ways of the enemy. What does that mean? You need to live with an awareness that the enemy is going to attack you and he's going to manipulate you through different things. So like Bruce was saying, yeah, it is scary to know that he comes and he lies to us and we believe a lie and all of a sudden we're wrapped up in we've got to carry a certain version of the Bible to be accepted with Jesus. That's scary to see people, and, he's, and Bruce is right, when you try to talk to him about it, they don't want to talk about it because preacher so-and-so said it. What does the Bible say? Well, it's good enough for Paul... Good enough for Peter, it's good enough for me. First of all, the English we use wasn't even used back then. And the King James wasn't written back then, so Paul and Peter sure didn't use it. You know? They're the ones who wrote it. And when they wrote it, they wrote it in Greek. So the point is I want you to see is Bruce is making a good point. We've got to be aware of the enemy and his manipulation of you and I. And he will manipulate us. He is real and he wants to destroy our church. So he's going to introduce something. Now, when you've got a laid back church like this, it isn't, you know, we're not going to listen to somebody coming in and saying, Brad, get a haircut and wear a tie. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to listen. Ladies, wear a dress. You know. We're not going to listen to that, are we? Because we're going to say, you know what? You just come in here robbing us. Get out of here. This is not who we are. But it could be something more subtle. It could be something more subtle. So, for instance, like one of the wonderful things that's happening in our church right now is the Chill Zone program. The subtle thing is, is for people to say, you know, if you're truly spiritual here, you'd be here on Wednesday. Because that's where the spiritual people are. Isn't that true? Isn't that how it works? It's a subtle thing. Now, some of you are like, Really? Being here, being driven crazy by teenagers, that's spiritual? You know? No, but you see how manipulative it could get because I'm involved with what's happening. And if you're not involved with what's happening, see, it's that subtle. But we need to be aware of the ways of the enemy because here's the thing. I already know some of you say, you're called to work with babies. You ain't called to work with teenagers. Or some of you say, I'm not even called to work with babies. Just give me a five-year-old. That's fine. People have different callings. But when I make my thing, because I'm trying to impress you, and I force it on you, that's where the problem is created. What were you going to say? Did I, do you have your thought anymore now? Did I? Yeah, it becomes a, yeah, it becomes an issue of doing. Yeah. Yeah, so conformity, wanting to fit in, you know, wanting to fit in. So here's their motive. Now, for them, this was their motive, although it may be the motive for some people today. Paul states that they were doing this in order to avoid persecution. Who, who are they talking about? What persecution? Well, most of these were Jewish Christians, and they didn't want to be persecuted by who? Jews who were saying that they were abandoning the law. So they were doing this in order to avoid persecution. 
Hey, have you noticed something? When you and I give in to somebody who's forcing us through peer pressure to, you need to dress up for Jesus. Let's go to the clothes thing. Dress up for Jesus. So you maybe could care less about dressing up. You don't really feel the compulsion. But you dress up anyhow to avoid what? What do you dress up to avoid, folks? Being bugged by them. Being harassed by them. Being talked down to. You know? Well, he obviously doesn't really care how he appears before Jesus. You know, that kind of thing. And you could do something. You can ignore it. Or, you know, I remember when I was in Canada, I decided on Sunday evenings, I was really wanting to loosen things up then, and I decided to go from a coat and tie to a sweater and tie. Wow, I was a rebel, yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember, that. I mean, that was back then. I mean, that was probably 12 years ago. And I remember, because now in church, back then in Canada, they celebrated communion once a month in the Baptist churches there. And they would celebrate it on the first Sunday night of the month, would be communion service in there. That's what they did there. And, and so I decided I was going to wear on Sunday night, and, and the chairman of the deacons would say to me, well, okay, I'll, I'll wear a sweater, but on that Sunday, it's a coat. Because if you're appearing before the queen, you want to dress up right. He said, we're not appearing before the queen. Same principle. So he wore a coat and tie, and I wore my sweater. See, because you could choose to, what's he doing? He's belittling. You understand, it's a subtle thing to conform behavior. I just chose to ignore it. You know, I chose to ignore it. And, and that's really what we need to do, is they're doing it, the reason why these people were doing it is because they couldn't ignore it. They didn't want to be persecuted for their freedom. Here's what he said, they wanted to remove the offense of the cross. See, this was the big stumbling block with Jews, the cross is a stumbling block to them, that their Messiah would be crucified. And so, for freedom from the law. And so, they're wanting to conform to this so that they don't have to worry about that. Now, let's go on now. He's going to talk about, here's what they were doing. They were looking for a compromise. Isn't that what we do? Now, there's really only one place that compromise works well in. Marriages. And marriage is the art of compromise sometimes, folks. You've got to learn that. But when you talk about in church, sometimes it works, but a lot of times it really doesn't because when it comes to the gospel, there is no compromise. When it comes to freedom we have in Jesus, there is no compromise. You can't accept a little bit, well, I'll just dress up a little bit and carry this Bible even though I'm not going to read it so that people don't bother me. And so we'll come to some sort of compromise. That can't work that way. Can't work that way at all. So here's going to go on. He's going to talk about what the issue is. It's their hypocrisy. Paul points out that there is a problem with their position. Here's the problem. There's an issue going on here. It's not so simple to say, well, you just got to keep the law. There's a problem with their position. And here's the point he's making. They are not able to keep the law. You can't keep it. There's no way. It's so big. There is no way possible for anybody to keep the whole law. 
Let me ask you something. How well are you at keeping the civil law right here in this country? Can you do it? You can't. I mean, one of them right off the bat is the speed limit right here in town. Am I assuming that's a, a speed meter on the end of the road here for you? Okay. Obviously, they put it there for a reason. Because people aren't obeying the law. You know? Yeah, so here's the thing. They were not able to keep the law. Let's go on now. Yet they want to live according to the law. Here's the thing. They don't can't keep it, but they want everybody to live according to it. You understand? They want everybody to live according to it. Now, here's the reason why. It's because of pride. Their actions are purely self-centered. It, they're purely self-centered, folks. That's why they're doing it. It's all about who? Themselves. So they're doing this in order to inflate their pride. Well, look at how perfect I am. Boy, I was sure looking good at church. Look at how big my Bible is. Yeah, Lori. Yeah, because this could be another pride. It's like, well, I'm not like them. Look at how good I am because I'm... Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. That's what true boasting is. Rather than boasting in how much spiritual stuff you're doing, here's true boasting. Paul wanted to give, wanted glory to be given to Jesus Christ alone, not himself. Paul wanted glory to be given to Jesus Christ alone, not himself. Now, here's the basis for his boasting. This is due to the fact that the world and what it offers means nothing to God. Do you think God really cares how you dress? I'm going to be honest with you right now. He doesn't. How do I know that? Because in the Bible, 1 Samuel, what does he say to Samuel? Man looks on what? The outward appearance. But God looks upon what? The heart. The issue with God is not how you look on the outside. The issue with God is what your heart is. That's what he sees. Because I'm going to be honest with you, the thing that you're trying to spruce up and make look good, when you appear before God, isn't going to be there. Do you understand that? So, here's true spirituality. Only the new birth, not outward religious actions, express true spirituality. You know what true spirituality is whether or not you know Jesus Christ. That's true spirituality. Because if you know Jesus Christ, you've experienced the new birth. That is what impresses God. It's not how much stuff you're doing. That's reality. That's what Paul's saying here. So then he gives a blessing. Paul addresses those who live according to the new birth. Now the question here is, do you guys live according to the new birth? Do you live according to who you are in Jesus? So he's addressing those who live according to the new birth. And here's what he said. He bestows a blessing of peace and grace upon them and Israel. The Israel of God, the true Israel. So he bestows a blessing of peace and grace upon them and Israel. And then verse 17, here's what he's saying. Paul did not want to be troubled anymore by their actions. Paul's saying, guys, I want this issue to be dead. I want it to be over. That's hopefully we don't have to deal with this. And he pointed to the fact that he had already suffered much for Jesus. He's saying, guys, I already bear in my body. What does he mean by that? Scourged, beaten, stoned, the eyesight problem. He's already borne much for Jesus. He doesn't want to add to them, add what they're doing about succumbing to these Judaizers to his issues. 
And then look at verse 18. It's the last verse. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So here's what he's doing. Paul bestows a blessing of grace and peace on his readers. All right, let's close our time in prayer, and we'll get ready for the morning worship service. That's it for Galatians, guys. Let's pray.